Hey, everybody. <laughs> okay. Um, expect a few uh, little bumps along the road here. Welcome to the all-new Yard Sign. Uh, it is Monday night. It is so exciting to be back, everybody, in our new studio. Round of applause, guys, in the back. Come on. We don't have an audience yet, but... Hopefully, soon enough, we'll have an audience. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Johnny Torres. Thank you so very much for watching. I cannot tell you how inspired, excited, motivated I am to be back into this beautiful, amazing studio. Thanks to uh, Cordon and the team at Bake More Pies. Uh, just wait till you see the guys. Uh, and, uh, and uh, of course, we have an amazing lineup of topics for you tonight, as you can see right there to my left. Uh, police ambushed in Los Angeles. No big surprise. We'll break that down as to why. Why and how and um, unfortunately um, this continuing to happen uh, in various degrees uh, across the country. Uh, also, Bloomberg's millions, especially right here in Florida, uh, this guy just won't go away. Bloomberg determined to try to take down Trump. Uh, apparently, there can only be one billionaire. Um, and uh, he's going to dump uh, I believe it's about $100 million into Florida. Uh, Middle East peace agreement, the Trump uh, campaign, the Trump administration, sorry, uh, making huge headway in bringing peace across the Middle East. Uh, is going to take us to the attic for that one. And uh, for our final topic, Florida reopening. Uh, man, we've had lots of friends with restaurants, bars, other types of venues that have been hurting since March. It is way overdue that we get this state reopen, and uh, uh, we're going to talk about exactly exactly how that's going to happen over uh, the next few weeks. All right, let's go ahead and turn the camera over to our new studio and tonight's cast. Here we go. Boom. From left to right, we've got Chris Verkailan. What's up, buddy? Uh, I am oh. very happy to be back here in the studio. Hold on a second. Got my mics backwards here. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so I was just saying, it feels great to be back in the studio and be able to converse with these guys in a normal con normal conversation as opposed to trying to trip over Zoom, uh, you know, who gets the microphone <laughs> at that point in time. So uh, this will be a, a good day. I'm very excited for this. Yeah, let me go ahead and throw up your uh, name. Oh, see, you were sitting on the other side and I told you to move, so that's my bad. All right, there we go. Chris for Kylan and sitting next to him and Mr. Joe Wicker. Hello, buddy. Hey, guys, how's it going? Let me see. Oh, no, that's not the right button. Not the that's right not button. the that's not the one I meant to. <laughs> not, no, not that's not right either. Button. Man, these this a sound effects board just doesn't like you. There we go. Joe Wicker, everybody. Okay. Radio check. Got it. <laughs> we're, we're right. blaming you. We're on the net. We're blaming you. Hey, comms are all, comms always go down at the Oh my gosh. <laughs> the best times. And on the far right, <laughs> literally, metaphorically, uh, philosophically is Anibal David Cabrera. Some days, some days. What? what? <laughs> hey guys, it's good to be back in the studio talking to you guys, looking at you guys, actually being able to socially distance. Uh, oh, socially oh. distance. Oh, I'm the only. Yeah, one they took about. Uh, in case anybody's wondering, they took about 20 tests before they came in. Let's just. Uh, that is very true. And sorted all yeah. the COVID Swaps tests. And we've uh, actually Swaps developed. <laughs> So, all right, well, let's see. Hold on. I still got ah, Chris's a lot of uh, visuals today in the, today's, um, today's I know. Yes. Uh, but uh, again, you know, where there, there's bumps in the road. It's a new studio. There's going to be things to figure out. But the important thing is that you guys look amazing. All this is incredibly exciting. Uh, you know, it's nice to be back in our old slash new home uh, because uh, even before, you know, a lot of people don't know our studio was actually here at Bake More Pies. It was just in a different part of the building. Um, and that was a great studio. But this is a Mag Daddy studio. This is a pretty amazing place. So thanks again to Bake More Pies and Cord 
Lorenzo and for allowing us to be here. Guys, let's go ahead and uh, uh, let's start with the uh, first topic, police ambushed in Los Angeles. And of course, you know, no shortage of uh, this kind of violence in Los Angeles, uh, especially given the current environment across the country. Uh, these police officers, I believe, are in critical condition. Does anybody have a kind of an update on that? I thought they uh, were both they out were of surgery. Out of surgery at Critical but stable, I think, is what they said. Like, okay. But, they, but they, they're both out of surgery, I think. So, so the crazy thing is, I guess it was all captured on a security camera, right? Yep. And, yep. Uh, and, and so they, um, I mean, at least from what the video shows, is that somebody literally going up to a police car, looks like a police SUV and and unloading, you know, basically on on these two officers. There's a $100,000 reward out for that guy's I'm assuming it's a guy. Any information person, to lead yeah, to that yeah, person's the capture. Arrest, which I mean, you put $100,000 on somebody and somebody's friends were at and yeah, you know, some they, you know, <laughs> no loyalty amongst thieves. I guarantee sure. you there's somebody in Compton right now that's I getting ready be. to rat them out. Not to say that. that that's where it happened in Compton, Compton, California, I think. Right. I don't know the I location, but I do, I do agree with yeah, you. Yeah. It wasn't Compton. It wasn't Compton. Yep. I will agree with you that it, that's a pretty large sum and it's yeah, probably going to be, ratted out. someone's going to say something very quickly and just the, the, the demeanor, the way the person ran away, yeah. how he walks, how that they person. They had a getaway car. They had a getaway uh, Mercedes sedan, sedan waiting for them after they finished the deed. So there was wow. someone else in the deal. Wow. Um, well, that's quite a stylish uh, getaway car. Depends on what year it was. You know, a lot of the 94s and, you know, earlier, <laughs> a little bit, you know, more boxy. And I saw a post where some of the cops, I think, were basically referencing the speed at which the event happened. And it coincided with the protest that took place outside of the, the ER. And it was kind of like, hey, you know, this was connected. And that's the second half yeah. of this story is that once um, the information was released of what hospital they were at and they were being treated, uh, some protesters went there and were protesting like and saying out loud, let them die. I hope you die. And yeah. it's just and they were I from what the report said that they weren't allowing people to get into the hospital or and they had to close the ER. They were um, trying wing. to get into the hospital. Yes. Yeah. And so it's just another layer of just, dis I, I will say personally, disgust when it comes to that. I can understand you not agreeing with the other side or you don't like the idea of, and that's why you're protesting. But to go to a hospital and, and say those words, it's just, it's more telling of what kind of side yeah, that person, want, that group is. Want, if you want, you know, cops that, that you know, commit crimes, I mean, if you want them brought to justice, the, you don't, there's nothing about shooting innocent people just they're doing their jobs Correct. that advances that objective. I mean, nobody wants to see dirty cops, but just shooting random police isn't going to do anything. Well, and the, the terrible thing about all of this is uh, not only the fact that uh, you have the ambush happen in the first place, a horrible, uh, terrible tragedy, but then you, you, you just pile on with the protests happening at the hospital. They were refusing to let ambulances in and out. I believe anybody to come in and out of that kind of situation. Oh, if you don't mind, put the uh, pull the mic a little closer to you there. Um, but uh, you know, of course, uh, as this news came out, you know, I, I shared a tweet from the LA Sheriff's Department, um, uh, you know, describing the fact that they couldn't get into the emergency room or out of the emergency rooms. Um, and they were asking these protesters, obviously, to do the right thing and get out of the way. But again, who do you? put this blame on. And to me, whether they condemn the violence, whether they, uh, you know, obviously come out and say, Hey, we had nothing to do with this. I mean, to me, this falls on, on black lives matter. Absolutely. It does. You know, be, be, I mean, it, it's, it's, how could it not? 
well, when you have this kind of rhetoric, all these all these uh, condemnations of police actions, no matter how justified the shooting was, and let's get let's get to the point. I mean, we, I've said this a dozen times in this program. There are ninety nine point five percent of all these police shootings, where people are you know the police are having to kill people because they're dangerous to the public. They are justified, and people cannot grasp the concept that you know it's one or the other. You either you have a police officer who's there upholding the laws that we as society have agreed upon, uh, die, or you have a criminal who is endangering others, die. It's unfortunate people have to die, but that's what, what happens. It's part of life. Well, because the video comes out, and the video always tends to start, you know, how, you know, after the initial encounter. 14 seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then it's, it's just showing a couple of minutes of what's happening after the fact, and then it's like, oh, and, that's, and then the outrage starts, and the protest starts, and then when you... It takes time for information to trickle in. Then you find out, oh, okay, this individual was had a warrant. They discovered the warrant. They stopped the individual. They refused. They fought. They grabbed the gun, cop's gun. I mean, all this information that leads up to, to show some of these events being justified, um, you don't get that information in the beginning. That's no, and thing. people don't even care afterwards. I was talking to some people yesterday on the internet, uh, as I should not do, uh, it's a waste of time, <laughs> that still had no idea that Jacob Blake was there after he had a restraining order filed on him for sexual right. assault and that he was trying to steal the woman's car right. and she, he had uh, you know, raped her allegedly and was not allowed to be there. And then he pulled a knife on the cops and they asked him to drop it. They had no idea. They thought that he was breaking up a fight still right. weeks and weeks into this after all this information has been spilled. And they, don't, they don't care to learn. And then they get upset when the it goes to trial or it goes through the first round of seeing if this can even be brought to trial. Yeah. And it get and it and it and it comes back as no, it was completely justified, yeah. or there's uh, other circumstances that were never released to the public. And then people get all upset again when they should have been more focused on the actual information given to like allowing there to be um, time to break out what actually happened. Well, because I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. And then, yeah. What sucks is it's politicized now. It's just politicized, and that's because it's an election year. But if you remember, remember the Michael Brown situation, mm -hmm. oh, and, and that was during the Obama presidency. But the Obama DOJ, I think still headed at that time by, by Eric Holder, but, yes. but either way, the, the, the Obama administration's Department of Justice looked into that and found that that police officer was a justified shooting because, yeah. you know, because of all the things that happened. But it's like people don't even care. Oh, it's, he's it, it still a poster word for BLM today. Yes. Yeah. Despite yeah. reaching into yeah. the car, yeah. taking the cop's gun, yeah. firing it, and charging the cop afterwards, people still yeah. don't care that Mike Brown was, you know, yeah. justifiably shot. Yeah. People still don't care when they put uh, Chuck Lavara, what? Che Guevara. Che Guevara t-shirts. Yeah. T-shirts on. Yeah. They have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea what that monster did right. to a society. And it's like, for a lot of Hispanics, it's like you putting a Hitler shirt on. That's how intense that is. But the sad for a lot part of about all that is because you, you have to assume, if you want to be generous, you assume that a lot of protesters, you know, they, they, you know, they think that they're a part of a cause, a just cause, right? They, they want to be a part of something. They think they're a part of something that's just... And there are those circumstances that happen, albeit rare, but there are those circumstances that require justice um, against a police officer. But the, the, what sucks to me about all this is that um, BLM as an organization really has been completely co-opted by the radical left. It's, they're being used. You've got young people out there that are getting charged with trespassing and rioting and you know, getting arrested and their lives potentially being ruined, they think they're a part of something that has some righteous, you know, element to it. 
uh, a moral cause of sorts, when in reality they're being used for political purposes during an election year by the left. Oh, it's plain as day. Well, and do you guys feel that um, is this something that's going to escalate from here, or is this kind of like, oh, oh, that's kind of the line there? I mean, L.A., again, notoriously more violent, I would say, than most of the country, uh, maybe right up there with Chicago. Do you see more incidents like this happening, or is this something that hopefully won't happen again for some time? Well, we have, or, we have or, elections or, every two years in this country, right? Basically, we have nationwide elections every two years. And at every state level, you have a varying schedule. And then, of course, every four years, we have a nationwide presidential election. I, I think you're going to see, I, and, and I know I saw a chart once where they showed kind of like the, the search engine data on BLM itself, and it spikes in 2018, and then it spikes in 2020. I mean, I, it's still a relatively new movement, but I think what you're going to see is basically right around election time, this is going to get ginned up again, and it's just it's used by a political party to gain power, and like I said, I mean, some young people's lives are being ruined, and some people are dying over it. Many people have, I think more people have died from the riots and the protests that the BMM has been point, conducting than have been shot by police this entire yeah, year. I think in 2019, so, it was like nine, so nine black men and 14 white men, yeah. I think, or something Na- like that. Nationally. That were, that, nationally, in 2019, right. that were unarmed. So, and even though most of those were justified anyway, but, but just even unarmed. Yeah. So I think what's going to happen now, and BLM has been around the, the larger, yeah. Ca- and I use I use this differential. Uh, capital BLM has been around since the uh, since the Obama term. Yes. Yeah. So it's not like this is a new thing under the Trump administration. Now, mm. for me personally, I, I I agree with the lowercase BLM. Completely understand it. Completely agree with it. I understand the situation. I understand their position and a lot of people and minority communities' positions on that. However, I think the larger organization, Capital BLM, is as far socialist Marxist as yeah. possible. You come, well, they you do, said they are. You do, yeah. You do an they inch. Well, you do an. You scratch the surface just a little, and you yeah. see the absolute. Um, tyranny that they would want to happen they do not care when it comes to anyone's lives they only care about their position and their movement as an organization that has raised hundreds of millions of dollars and yeah. are being used to to do things atrocious in this country and so i think this is become i think this is a moment in time where the country will see it and probably back off depending on how quickly they find the individual or individuals that participated in this heinous attack this is a regular occurring thing. I mean, this happened in Dallas a few years ago as well. I'm going to push back on you a little bit as far as the uh, justified feeling of, you know, lowercase BLM. I think under the premise, if the, the shootings that people are, people are being told are unjustified, were unjustified, that would be, okay, you can, you can feel like you're being put upon as a minority in the U.S. But because there are very, very few exceptions to that, that most of them are justified, the police shootings are justified, that people should not feel as if they're put upon. I feel there's nothing more harmful to uh, a young minority person than being told they're being hunted, they're being put upon, they're being subjugated, and that's not the case. I I think there's very scanty evidence, if any, evidence to the contrary that that's the case. So I think that that narrative needs to be busted. People in minority communities need to realize that 
they're being lied to. But, and that, that narrative is false. And I'll push back a little because I do believe minority communities understand that the narrative is being um, grossly over-exaggerated. I mean, a poll recently said that 80% of African-American community, individuals in African-American communities, either agree with the current standard of policing or want more policing. Oh, yeah. So we're, we're looking at the, the Twitter of, the, of a, a group that is louder than any kind of voting block it could ever have. I'm thinking less than to 15% actually believe in what's going on. The comment that I'm making, why I use the difference between lowercase and uppercase is because a lot of African and other minority communities believe that when it, they say black lives matter, they mean all lives of the black community, not just those that are being taken from uh, in regards they're, they're to police to, officers yeah. or from the... That's from agreeable. The, and that's why I can agree with that also. I agree that a lot of African-American lives are in jeopardy every single day, not just from the police, but from their own communities. And these are the communities that are asking for more policing. They're begging for it, but yet you have people that don't want any policing whatsoever. And this is, and we see this now out of New York, the group that got arrested uh, for destroying, they're actually starting to prosecute these individuals. It was 15 white Anglo-Saxon upper middle class yeah. children yeah. Yeah. that were, yeah. are the ones that are doing this. And yeah. they're not speaking for the African-American community. Right. They're not doing right. it at all. Or you see a woman in a SUV, a black woman in an SUV gets stopped in front of a protest in the middle of the road. And she's cursing out a group of nothing but white people. Like, and they're the one, and they, oh no, we're fighting for your rights. That, that's what I'm saying. It's being taken. It's been taken over by these, you know, leftist white liberals, which they're really, they, they really suffer from the. They don't suffer from it. They, they per, um, perpetuate this this racism of low expectations. Mm -hmm. Like like black people need these white liberals to come in and help them and everything. It's like, look, I mean, I think most people would agree that. Um, there are some legitimate grievances that black people in America have because of the experiences that they've had in the past, dating back a long time, but even maybe, you know, recently. And we can recognize and, that. And you can recognize that and try to advocate for real change. But what this has become is just, you know, it's, 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 off, the, it's off the rails here. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just leftist, militant, anarchist political activity and in my opinion, again, I think it's fully politicized at this point, and I think we're going to see a lot of it completely go away uh, once the election's over one way or the other, and then it'll probably revert back to what you're saying, which is the people that are actually about the cause and the movement that are there for the right reasons, they'll probably continue working. But uh, these, 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 these young white college kids out in the streets, I mean, they're going to go back home. When and, it's over. and what upsets me the most is these aren't people that are volunteering their time at Boys and Girls Clubs. No. These aren't people nope. that are volunteering their times to help uh, kids read in the inner city. These are not kids. These are not people that are going to the food banks right. and helping out. They're not doing anything. No. And they're, they're not taking, they're taking selfie pictures. And they, right. a lot of people got called out right. on this. That they get called out for taking these pictures and everything else. So it's and it's if you just, really it's want crap. change, if you want change, and you're in a city, most of those cities are are Democrat controlled. Mm -hmm. So if you're calling for political change in your city, whether it be through the police department or the city council or the mayor's office, they should be calling for the resignation of those individuals. But they happen to be Democrats, so they're not. They're trying to blame Trump. Good job, Hector, for referring back to the 1986 uh, leftist youth movement that basically turned into the weather underground that started bombing police stations back in the early late uh, 69 through 70s. So yeah, this is a repeat. My father's told me before, and other people have said, yep. that we're just seeing a repeat of history. People get upset, they get angry, yep. and things start going haywire, and then the FBI has to, cr has to crack down on what's going on.
and then you see it start to die down again. All right. Well, thank you so much to everybody for watching The Yard Sign. Johnny Torres here coming to you live from our brand new studios of Bake More Pies. Um, again, it, that's um, obviously a heavy topic to start on, but we do appreciate you for watching. And as Enable just showed that we are following your comments. So please send us your comments, your questions there. And if you don't mind, give us a like and a share uh, so that we can reach more people as we uh, reach and are getting closer to this November election. Uh, one of the big news coming out over the weekend, uh, and actually we were at the Florida Federation of Republican Women's Conference on Ebel 9, and uh, the executive director of the RPOF was telling us how they, uh, Michael Bloomberg has decided to uh, get involved in this general election, uh, committing about $100 million to use just in Florida. Um, uh, Anibal uh, got some of the poll numbers together, which we'll go over in just a second, but uh, we know that there's obviously a rivalry here between Michael Bloomberg and Donald Trump. Uh, Bloomberg has obviously made it very well known that uh, he doesn't like the president and that he, you know, uh, wanted to challenge the president as a, as the Democratic candidate. Um, guys, do you feel that uh, you know one of the things Anibal and I talked about uh, behind the scenes was? Is this money too late? You know, the race here in Florida got really, really tight. But is it one of those things that all of a sudden, um, you know, is it going to make a difference with, you know, 50 or so day left uh, before the election? So I want to ask this question, since you're more involved in politics, you know, the finance, I was a lot better than myself. How is it we allow people like, so if I want to give a campaign money, I can give five grand max. How can Mike Bloomberg say he's going to give $100 million? And this is like somehow, even though it's filtered through other organizations and people, how is this ethical? How is this legal? Is there not a way we should cap these kind of things from? from well, current? you're going down. So election law, and we don't have any election law attorneys here, but it's a First Amendment issue. So the ability of a person to spend their own money towards political advocacy um, gets into the First Amendment when you start trying to outlaw that. But you know, I was, you were talking about politics. I, I would say whether it's going to make a difference or not, I know that there's going to be some happy uh, ad buyers, some happy yeah, consultants, yeah. Uh, people, because, you know, you spend money fast, uh, you, you, you know, you're, you're probably not getting uh, the bang for, for your buck. I, you know, when it, look, $100 million is $100 million. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of money on TV. I mean, that's what Rick Scott spent his entire election, yeah. I think. So when he first ran for governor and had to spend money all over the state, one thing I will say about that is going to make an impact probably some, but you can only cover up a candidate's flaws so much. And there is a diminishing return when it comes to, uh, you know, money that you're spending on something like TV. I mean, you can only spend so much money and still expect to get some some votes. So does it move the dial a point or two? I don't know. Maybe, but there's going to be a diminishing return there at some point. I have to agree with Joe. I think a lot of this is going to go to ad buys. So a lot of news networks or, or local networks are going to get a lot of money. A lot of consultants are going to get paid out. And that, I think that might be the, the gist of it. Because if this was a, a viable way of spending, spending money to get votes, then it wouldn't be Joe Biden. It would be Bloomberg on the ticket instead yeah. of Joe. So who wasn't doing anything before the primaries that ended on his side. So yes, I agree with, I agree with you that it, it would help a little bit, but I, we are so far into this cycle already. It is very difficult to find it. If anything, this shows how afraid the Democrats are I was when just it gonna, comes, I was when just it comes to Florida. The fact that they went to Michael Bloomberg and said, hey, Need to hook your boy up with yeah. 100 mil in Florida. Yeah. That says something. Why did they decide to spend 100 million in Florida? They obviously <laughs> believe that, and Florida is a swing state, but they obviously believe that this could be, 
you know, critical. Well, well especially when, you know, the news had just come out that Biden actually now has somewhat of a fundraising lead, depending on how, obviously how you kind of spin the yeah. numbers. And so for Bloomberg, you know, you got to wonder if this is maybe just a publicity play, uh, you know, is Bloomberg going to maybe try to go for mayor again of New York or governor of New York, right? But why now, why when there's seemingly or at least allegedly not having any trouble fundraising uh, you know or they what it really tells me obviously is they're worried about Florida yeah. um, which is exciting and props to you know everybody from Joe Gruder's on down you know uh, who's been working really hard this election cycle um, you know and I got to see some of those people over the weekend uh, but you know it's a testament to their work and what they're doing is working everything from their Hispanic outreach the African-American outreach I mean you know it, it's it's hitting on all cylinders and I think Bloomberg's commitment here I think says a lot more so about what's being done here in Florida on the Republican side than it is what's not being done on the Democratic side which by all accounts they're not doing anything Nope. Yeah, they're doing text banks, from what I've heard. Yeah, um, and I mean, it's like you were saying, this this shows. You see the the figures coming out from the RPOF and from the, uh, the national GOP about how many calls are being made, how many doors are being knocked, yeah. how much voter contact is being made, and you have to pour in a hundred million bucks to even compete with that. But good luck, as a as a wise man once said about a, a certain place. This is MAGA country. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I tell you what, I saw one of the Joe Biden videos. I forget what channel it would have been on. I think it was over the weekend um, when I was trying to watch SEC Network or something like that. Let's not football. talk football. Let's yeah. not so, talk football. But, but the Biden commercial, here's what I'll say about them, though. They make him look like normal, like a normal candidate. And, and, and you know, there's no stumbling. It's all well done. I mean, they're good video. I mean, if you're going to run a campaign video, they're good campaign videos. But what actually stood out to me was I was like, wow, that doesn't seem like the guy that we see on the campaign trail. I mean, just because it's so well put together, he looks like a normal, well put together candidate. Whereas on the campaign trail, it's just like a, one gaffe after the next. He's just a disaster. <laughs> it, you know, looks bad, sounds bad. It's all bad, you know. It's, well, go ahead and call Joe Biden. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I will say this. I think they are, they are really scared. And I was going to go into the numbers a little bit. But the numbers that are coming out of Miami-Dade and Broward yeah. County are Fascinating to see that. Was it 50%? 55%. 55% of, Hispan of Hispanics, of, of just Hispanics, will be voting for Trump, and then the rest will be voting for Biden. That number is astronomical when it comes to that. It's it's the number what do you that. What's driving that? Because normally any type of socialist platform gets Hispanics going because, of, because they've got real world experience with Venezuela and Cuba and yeah. go on down the list. I mean, what do you think is generating fifty five percent support? I think it's I think it's there. I think it's the the China talk, the the tough on China, the the wanting to get our jobs back. That is really engaged in the the China, the Latin community. I'm very surprised with it. I, I would have thought socialism would have been more of a of a hit, but really, it's the fact that that Trump is one of the only people that are pushing back when it came to China and actually going forward with that. I'll also say that um, his push on on immigration is a big one. Also, if you're already here, you're already a voter, everything right. else, then odds are you followed the path to become a citizen. So you right. yourself get upset when other people the Democrats are really not. miscalculated the immigration yeah. thing, didn't they? They just assumed that if you're an immigrant or connected to immigration, one generation or that two you generation, would be okay. that somehow you're okay with illegal immigration yeah. when it's quite the opposite. <laughs> and I think a lot of people miscalculated that one. They miscalculated the black vote. They miscalculated the LGBT vote. A lot of these um, yeah. groups and communities that forever were on the Democrat side are really starting to pull. Yeah, Democrats yeah. took them for granted. 
And that's the thing, though. When as soon as the Democrats focused on the, yeah. and again, this might be what makes them win. I'm really concerned about this. Is that once Democrats started focusing on the suburban white female, is when their numbers started to go up. And we're also, and the, uh, Trump is doing really bad with seniors yeah. over 65. Those are two groups that I think need to be focused on, uh, or at least more money needs to be uh, spent on those demographics. Well, especially here in Florida. I mean, with the senior vote, you can't you can't give that up. I mean, you know, we're 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 still uh, the BLM (laughs) protests. I think are going to impact the 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 white you know suburban women. I think that's going to and seniors. They're both people that are disadvantaged as far as defending themselves. You know, but that is how Obama won, though. Obama won by getting a large majority of the the white. Suburban. suburban women yeah and then trump won because of the the lower numbers of the african-american vote that came out and but how trump also won because there was a whole group of people that voted for trump that had never even voted before yeah, 40, and that's what yeah. people forget about polling yes if polling people poll a good poll is going to be a, a a poll that knows that you're going to vote there's some history behind you you're you're a very valid data point right mm-hmm. But with the Trump election in 2016, all these people came out that had never even... So you can't poll somebody that previously wasn't even registered. Yeah. I mean, because you don't assume that they're going to vote. And then all of a sudden, all these people register, and they come out to vote for Trump. And so now the question is, do those Trump voters, is what they're called... Do they come back out in 2020? Because they have to. I think this is going to be a new patch. The largest voting block are non-voting citizens. Yeah. That is the largest voting block in the country. And when they see their neighborhoods getting torched, when they see their communities being destroyed, I think that is going to be the surprise yeah. vote that we're going to see increases in um, white uh, white males. We're going to see increase in Latin. We're going to see increase yeah. in black going towards the Republican side. I have no idea when it comes to the polling on um, suburban white women. I'm not a suburban white woman. Well, I can't. I can't say anything about that. Don't uh, say. If you're no, if, if you're if you're a forty if you're a forty year old guy who was not registered to vote in 2016, or you registered just in 2016, you know, you may not even show up in the polls. No, you. You've only show voted up. in one election, so no one's calling you to ask you what you think yeah. because they don't assume that you really vote. You don't show up in the data. But and that that's that's the group of voters that got Trump, you know, part of. Oh, yeah. Remember, the national polls at the end of the day, four years ago, were a little bit correct with their numbers, a point, half a point. Yes. But the battleground states, the individual states were completely off by three to five points. And that's where you'll see him make up his ground. But it's it's going to be it. I am still very comfortable that Trump is going to win. If you're out of work due to coronavirus, go be a political pollster. It's one of the jobs where you can be consistently wrong every single time. Every cycle. And people will still ask you what you think. So some of the battleground states, I pulled this information real quick. Um, In Minnesota, and a lot, again, these numbers aren't very good for Trump at the moment. Minnesota, we're down by nine. In Nevada, we're down, we're within the margin of error. In New Hampshire, margin, and even Wisconsin in the margin. So we're still in the margin, but Trump is still losing by a few points in every single state. And that's why I like to show the differential that yes, the national polls showed that Hillary was going to win the pop- and it's true Hillary won the popular vote, but we all know and we have to educate our Democratic friends every single cycle is that you don't win the presidency by the popular vote, you win by <laughs> right. the electoral college. We have and to go through this every, every <laughs> four years. We have to explain. They this. like it when it's good for them. Yeah. Oh, they love it when yeah. it's good for them. This is yeah. this is why it makes sense. Yeah. You know, when yeah. And they have a list. <laughs> well, and what's frightening? What's well, frightening in all of that is is that they actually. They want every it. cycle. They, they, they want to they, get rid they of it. They want it. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and what it does is it relegates uh, 
at least half the country to to being completely ignored. If the president is elected simply by the popular vote, then all presidential candidates would do is go to California, New York, Jersey, Texas, right. maybe Florida, and a handful of other states, and that's it. And that's it. Yep. Everywhere in the middle, no, yeah. the, it wouldn't even matter. And the only reason why the Democrats want that, we know, is because those are also states that they can pretty much, you know, well, right feel now, confident about. Right now, of world. those four, of the four big states, it's yeah, 50-50. Florida's the one. Yeah, Florida's the one. Florida oh, okay. and Texas. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Between Cal, yeah. All right, guys. Well, again, thank you so much to everybody for watching the Yard Sign. Johnny Torres, your host, with us today. Christopher Kylan, Joe Wicker, Anibal Cabrera. Uh, again, big, uh, heavy topics. Uh, you know, for our show, first show back in a couple of weeks. We, of course, have been working to get back into this studio, and so you know, we certainly apologize uh, about our our little hiatus there. But uh, we're excited to be back in here in, in a nice, comfy studio where we can, you know, kind of vibe off each other. Uh, again, right there to my left. Today's list of topics, we've already discussed the first two. Now we're going to turn over to uh, Nebel Cabrera, who's going to get us started on talking about uh, Trump administration's wins when it comes to foreign policy in the Middle East, you know, doing things that, you know, haven't been seen in decades. Some might even say millennia. Uh, Nebel, give us a little bit more insight as to uh, what's been happening over in the Middle East and, uh, and uh, with uh, Jared's uh, work at hand there in the Trump administration. What's it looking like? So... When it comes to the national understanding of how a president gets elected every four years, there's a percentage of that that want to see a win when it comes to foreign policy. Before 30 days ago, there wasn't really a win of foreign policy for the president. Yes, he had moved the, the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and that's a huge win with the Christian, with the Christian base and with the, the, with the right. But it wasn't that big of it to be as a check of foreign policy. He tried to get us out of Afghanistan. But now, in the last 30 days, we've had two countries now say that they want to reestablish diplomatic relations with uh, Israel. And those two countries are um, UAE and now Bahrain that have decided to um, make a actual decision to move forward with diplomatic relations and economic relations, which is a huge deal. We're now, we right now, Trump has been nominated for not one Nobel Peace Prize, but two Nobel Peace Prize. Two? One, yes, two. Is it two Nobel Peace Prizes or it was the second nomination? No, so he was nominated for the Kosovo-Serbia oh, uh, renewals yeah. of economic ties and right. now for the peace process of the UAE and Bahrain. Uh, over the weekend, we were able to talk to uh, Katie McFarland. Yep. KT McFarland, I can't believe I remember that. I usually really bad with names. Nice job. KT McFarland, and she it, uh, she said the same things we're talking about right now, that this is not just one win for the presidency when it comes to foreign policy. It is actually a domino effect yeah. of what's happening right now because at the moment, I'll tell you this, uh, I will not be surprised that we – we don't end September without another country coming on board and actually saying that they will also recognize Israel uh, uh, for diplomatic relations. I see Kuwait, maybe Qatar, and all those other Sunni-leaning uh, Arab states that will actually flip over. So we might be hearing about multiple countries moving in, and which is a solid um a win under the foreign policy aspect when it comes to Trump, which that makes me more comfortable knowing that because of that, Trump will probably win um, when it comes to that. And I'm really excited. Also, with the, the, the restored peace process in Afghanistan, I think it is 
well time that we get out of there and that we move on when it comes to that. I was very disappointed that a lot of Republicans, uh, congressional Republicans, did not want that to happen. You can definitely see the war machine in D.C. when, when it came to that. But no, those are the really big foreign policy moves that are happening at the moment, and I will get off my soapbox. Well, uh, for those of you watching, uh, you know, one of the things I love talking to Joe about is uh, about his experience, his perspective uh, on that region of the world, because he spent some time there as a veteran. Joe, give us an idea, uh, because again, you were at the ground level. You did have a lot of interaction with the people, you know, in Afghanistan. And, uh, and, and so what do you think this does for them? And what do you think, what kind of impact does, uh, do you think, or, or will it have any impact at all on them? Well, uh, and it was it was Iraq, not Afghanistan. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but I, to to the Afghanistan point, real quick, I think what you're seeing in Ebel is some Republicans that um, are concerned about Afghanistan becoming another Iraq, where where you pull out too quickly, uh, terrorist organization takes back over, Taliban take back, and 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 it basically be a huge political loss and a huge national security loss. So I think that's what the concern is. Although if you're fighting a war for 20 years, it brings up whether or not you're actually winning. So with you on that. But, um, you know, the thing about, uh, the thing that uh, we don't usually realize about the Middle East is that um, in the Middle East, you have the Arabs, okay, and you have the Persians, mm -hmm. okay? The the Jews are a common enemy, but a lot of that's a political issue. It's used to gin up people and whatnot. Every one of those countries know that, by and large, Israel's not going to mess with you. If you don't mess with Israel, Israel's not going to mess with you, right? And so I think what you're really seeing is, the Arab states, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Bahrain, all those Arab states, um, they realize that Iran is really a, is a real threat. Correct. Israel is not a real threat to them, but Iran is. And they're a little crazy over there, okay? The Israelis are trying to do business and make money and just survive, okay? So so they've chosen, they've chosen to align themselves and say, okay, we're gonna get together, we're gonna we're gonna acknowledge Israel. We may even do some business with them. And that way they can kind of, you know, give the yeah. stiff arm well, to Iran. McFarland said at the at the conference, like it's and she said it was a Middle East proverb, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that's a huge understanding of like, look, yeah, I might not like you, but I don't like Iran a lot more than me not mm -hmm. liking Israel. And they and more majority of these countries will get more economic benefits becoming friends with Israel than become than staying enemies. Well, well if you yeah, you've seen uh, Iran putting proxies, you know, into all these countries, and they're sick of it. They're tired of Iran trying to expand their empire and, you know, do their will, you know, by putting, uh, you know, these 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 actors into their country that are, you know, basically trying to transform their government into an Iran puppet. Um, so the Iranians want the the Persian Empire back. See, they they actually they have this idea that somehow they're gonna, you know, that this empire you know, is gonna come back, and it's not. But but that's why you're talking about the the proxies. They're in Yemen. They're in Syria, and so in that's Lebanon. and in Lebanon, and they've basically co-opted Iraq at this point because sixty percent of the Iraqi population is Shia, and so are the Iranians. Even though they have different nationality, um, uh, they they basically co-opted the Iraqi government. So they're making inroads in some of those areas in the Middle East, and the Arab countries are pushing back and realizing that Iran is a real threat. And these tribes have been fighting for millennia. Oh, yeah, sure, I sure, mean, yeah. the the conversations of bringing back uh, Ishmael and Isaac, yeah, all yeah, the way yeah, back yeah, the yeah. yeah the children of Abraham with the super split of the Jewish and the um, Muslim 
religions. This is not a simple walk in the park when it comes to border disputes. These are large, multi-generational, multi-facet problems that a lot of countries around the world have tried to step in, and they then they step into it, and it becomes a problem. So I think with the coronavirus, which rapidly escalated a lot of issues and caused oil prices to go shocking up and down, caused Iran to lose a lot of money when it came to the oil profits that they were having. And they've been having to pull out of Syria, having to be able to pull out of Yemen because they can't afford it anymore. You know, I'm, so I'm, it's I'm interesting reminded, to see how that's going to play. I'm reminded by some of the, the discussions I had with, with Iraqi interpreters over there that, that, you know, spoke good English, well-educated. And we would talk about some of these, these issues and, they they're taught from a young age to hate Israel, okay? Yeah. But they don't really even know why they do. I mean, it's it's kind of religious, but kind of not, and and they're just kind of taught that like they're bad. But you know, it's it's just it's just uh, bigotry that they're taught. But they fully understand what the issue is with Iran, and they fully understand that Iran is a is an enemy. And so that's I think you're seeing an, an, a shift in alignment in the Middle East that makes that is very practical and makes perfect sense if you're if you're one of the Arab states. Yeah, and if you don't think that we're already in a cold war in the Middle East, then you have no idea what you're talking about. Well, when we've it comes been fighting to Iran. I mean, we've been finding Iranian-made uh, IEDs called uh, explosively formed projectile EFP yeah. versions of IEDs. We've been finding those all over Iraq for years. But so. now you're starting to see the cement of the coalition being built. Whereas before it was just, it was spotty at some times. But now if you're rebuilding diplomatic relations with Israel, you're definitely saying, yes, I am a part of this coalition. I'm building this coalition. Also, on this on this flip side, this is forcing the Palestinians to come back to the table. Yeah, yeah. The Palestinians have, yeah. we again, we've been playing this game for 30, yeah, 40 years. Yeah. And it took Trump the to The Palestinians say, no. get used by oh, yeah. the Arab states. The Arab Completely. states don't really even care. They just Completely. use that issue. And but, that's yeah. why I'm happy that we're actually moving this forward. You've yeah. got to move the, you got to. Yeah, because what is the future? If you're Saudi Arabia, what is the future of your country? To continue hating Israel for what? Israel's going to always be defended by the United States. So what are you trying to accomplish, right? They might as well give this craziness up, quit with this debt to Israel stuff, yeah. and just start doing business together. Again, the, the, the hallmark of insanity is doing the same thing over and over attempt, and wanting to get a different result. And Trump broke the model. And I, that's why I think this has become a huge It's not even on TV. Win. You don't even hear about no, it. It's you won't the hear biggest, it. It would be the biggest news if a Democrat was president right now having two peace agreements in the Middle East along with a, uh, a continuation of the Kosovo peace deal. I mean, that would be everywhere. That would be all you would be hearing. It would be huge. It's pretty much the only hot conflict in the world for the last decade. You know? It, yes. It's, it's real success. And it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's it's gonna to end. What I was surprised to see is once the, um, once the first peace deal was signed with UAE, everyone said this is going to be a domino effect. But yeah. how fast it happened. Mm -hmm. It's been, what, two weeks now and we have two more countries, two more yes. countries signing on and more in talks to, to occur in the next couple of weeks? I don't think happen so fast. Is Jared Kushner leading all this? Like, I mean, you yeah. never really hear about it. I mean, you, all it's you the, hear. It's the quiet ones. Yeah, all you that's hear. What we, the that's what we heard actually from KT McFarland uh, over the weekend was Jared. Just Jared's the one. On this, right? Yeah, he's the one yeah. doing all these negotiating. Yeah. All this negotiating behind the scenes. And, a lot and of making it yeah. happen. It's really, really and interesting. And they know that he's speaking. I know, I know he got a lot of pushback. People don't like to see nepotism. And I can appreciate that, right? You want to be careful about having family. But what people, what I, what I think the the left and even some in our own party may not realize is that in the Middle East, uh, the son-in-law can speak for the for the father-in-law. Yes, you see what I'm saying. When when 
you know, when Jared goes over to Israel or to the Middle East, they understand that he's speaking with the ear of mm-hmm. of the president of the United States, and so he has the authority to do that. And technically, he wasn't um, a fresh face. He's had relations right. with these prime ministers and these royal families for a really long time. Yeah. I don't want to know why he has relations with them, but yeah. well, he has rela- well, business. But that's to, yeah. exactly, and that's how his it family works. were. All, yeah, come on, they're and, all billionaires marrying each other. I okay, mean, yeah. I'm not gonna say these things. I don't think he's a billionaire. I don't think. I think. It, I think his family. Yeah, they're real estate. Too. Well, they're in real estate too. Well. I have a comma after anyway, in my bank account. He, watch, I'm telling you, watch, <laughs> watch Ivanka and Jared. I mean, I'm telling you, watch that. Oh, watch, I can't watch wait that to see what's going to happen. Ivanka, man, they're they are just crisp. I mean, so, when you see them on TV and everything. <laughs> watch them. I'm telling you, Ivanka's not going. So, she's, real quick, real quick, Hector has a yeah. question. What are our thoughts between India and China facing off in the Tibetan border? Uh, I honestly think this is just another skirmish, just to cause uh, panic within the. Um, India-Chinese um, borders. I don't think anything will really come of it because they both cannot attack each other. Yeah. They can literally... They can, they're not even allowed to shoot a gun in the border area through the through the treaty. They have to use their fist. And the fact that like, I think 30 Chinese military members got killed by falling off cliffs and by rock impalements is insane of how the Indian army is thugs when it comes to how they fight back. So I, I love it. I love to see that. Oh, yeah, no cameras either, which is bollocks. But still, it's it would be <laughs> so cool to see that happen. Well, communist countries, okay, that you do business with, and I think I think we're looking back and questioning whether we should have ever, you know, done business with them. But communist countries, as you do business with them, they get wealthy. And as they become wealthy, they spend their money on guns, on arms, on their military. And the, the more money they have, the more military equipment they have, and because they're communists and that's how communists behave, they start encroaching on their neighbors. And that's what you see, whether it be in the, in the sea, in that China Sea area, where oh, yeah. they're just taking over islands and claiming it's theirs, to what you're talking about in India. It's what you can expect with, with and communists. We're, and we're going to keep on seeing that for a while. There's, well, there's that's no why the United States foreign policy is really shifting towards the Pacific. I mean, everybody's still focusing on the Middle East. The United States military has focused its um, its attention and, um, and resources, really, in the Pacific. And it needs to continue. Yeah. We can, again, the limit of Chinese power on the water is to the first ring of the archipelagos. And as long as they can stay in there, it's never going to go any further. And they're actually pissing off Japan and yep. Indonesia, which are now forcing those countries to beef up their security. I love it. Let them start policing themselves. Do you think we start economically dissociating from them? Between, with China? Yeah. I would love to see a, a reduction and a spreading of our resources to other countries. It is difficult. Well, didn't Trump recently sign, I don't know if it was a bill, because I don't think any legislation is getting done. I think it was an executive order that took some action on, um, you know how, from a national security standpoint, for instance, right? Like um, some of these manufacturers, Boeing and whatnot, there are certain things that when they're making parts for military equipment, it has to be made domestically Correct. because there's security issues there, security clearance issues there. I think that Trump did something along that line for the supply chain on medications yeah, and some types of equipment. Yes. Yeah. So I think there were certain, uh, whatever, it's on a list of considered to be like critical types of meds and equipment and whatnot. I think he's done something on that already and we're pulling back from China where not that you can't buy it from them but like some kind of percentage or whatever of the supply chain in the United States that is was going one of the first to be that went the COVID 
yeah. response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we realize, holy crap, 98% of our antibiotics come from China. That might be a problem. Well, at the <laughs> end of the day, we shouldn't be doing any business that has concentration camps. So right yeah, there is a whole other topic yeah. that we do we not say never again, know, and then We, we say it. never again, and then everybody just looks over it like it's not happening. Well, who else is going to say? They've got a million what? Muslims, oh, I yeah. think, in concentration camps. What other... What other company is going to? What other company is going to allow children to sew Nike T-shirts right. and everything else apart? It's absolutely ridiculous. Which, yeah, which and that's wh- the other hypocrisy. Oh, yeah. All these companies that try to you know put forth virtue all signal. this, yeah, all this virtue signaling and and social responsibility. You are doing business with somebody who has a bunch of people simply by the basis of their religion in a concentration camp. No, but it's perfectly fine. I mean, screw Hong Kong. The NBA sold their soul basically to China, yeah, yeah. and they're perfectly Google. fine with it. Whatever. Well, because it's happened. become such a huge market for them. I mean, yeah, we're talking about, about a billion money. people. Yeah. So you know, and yeah. that's all the NBA care, cares about, you know, and it's, when it comes to this racial injustice stuff, I mean, again, would they be having, the, the, you know, these demonstrations that they are doing before, after, during each of the games, the name changes on the jerseys, all that stuff, if the majority of the players weren't African-American? No. I doubt it. I mean, you know, you certainly don't see that in other sports where that's not the case. I mean, that's going down a rabbit hole. But again, NBA, all they care about is their bottom line, and, and that goes for Nike as well. And well, the, the American people sometimes, and I get wrapped up in this, I like college football, okay? That's mm-hmm. my thing. It's not as much of a business, but it's still a business. Oh, yeah. People, people forget these sports teams, they are corporations. <laughs> it's private companies, okay? And that's what they're there to do is to make money. Yeah, but by so. them being private companies, the public is allowed <clears throat> to influence that. And the yeah. whole get, go woke, go broke has been something that people are seeing all across the country oh, with multiple businesses. Oh. And I agree. Let's see. I really hope I have a that. buddy of mine that says, who got Jerry? What's his name? The owner of the Cowboys? Uh, uh, Jones. Jones, yeah. It, it, I have a buddy of mine uh, said, you know, who had enough money to get Jerry Jones to take a knee? <laughs> <laughs> right? who, who, who got that man to take a knee? Cause well. I never thought I'd see it, but uh, the NHL has started to go go woke, and my oh, friends, know. all of my friends who are hockey fans, are pissed off. One of my best yeah. friends, who's a diehard Capitals fan, will not watch the playoffs right now. Not because the Capitals aren't in it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but because he refuses to watch hockey now because of what they've done, and it's antithetical to to a lot of people who watch hockey's belief system. Um, so yeah, they're it's it's. Not, you know, it's not I'm, good for the I'm not. No. I'm not going to stop watching sports per se because of a political stance. But here's the here's the problem. I'm just trying to watch football. Yeah. I mean, if if I keep getting interrupted, right. if I keep getting interrupted <laughs> with all this garbage, then it's just it's not fun anymore. Well, especially I mean, for us, you know, where you know we watch politics, I lo- yeah, we, we follow the it. issues in our community, in right. the state, in the federal government. Yeah, like we're already consuming so much of this, and for us, sports is our break from that. And then to have that infiltrated, you know, by these issues again, it's it, right. it, it completely. Uh, uh, removes the whole reason of why we watch sports in the first place, which is entertainment. Agreed. Yeah, it wears me down. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're all, we all probably have a, a circle of friends that we're, we're like the political guy. Everybody knows like, <laughs> that we're that guy, you know, and we, they can talk politics with us or come to us and ask us how to vote. But all the other time, for every other four years, it's, it's, it's like, like a secret. Yeah, they, like... They, they, they come ask you who to vote for. But other than that, I don't want to talk politics, you know, with Joe, you know. But it gets unfollowed on you know, Facebook by all of his but, friends. But, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, so, so it, it just goes to show, though, we love politics. We have no, I have no problems talking about politics, but I'm trying to watch football. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
exactly. I'm just trying to watch my game. No, I'm trying to walk through church <laughs> without getting stopped and like, oh, yeah. who should I be voting for oh, for school oh. board? It's insane. That too is. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it is the yard sign. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Make sure you like, follow, share the show. Also, don't forget, you can subscribe to the audio version of our podcast on the Apple, Spotify, and uh, Google platforms. Uh, we are having a great show today. Again, we took a, about a two-week break, but it kind of helped us kind of reset. And uh, again, now we are more excited than ever to be coming to you from our brand new studios here at Bake More Pies. Thank you to Cords and the team for their support. Uh, in uh, giving us uh, this beautiful studio uh, as a platform. Also, Let's we apologize for all of our haters coming here now because <laughs> we, we, we've got a, an anti-fan club of, of sorts. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, I know. Well, good thing, there's, good thing there's the, the parking lot's fenced in. So oh, we're yeah, on yeah. security. <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about some uh, very big issues, but we're going to bring it home here to the state of Florida one more time uh, before we wrap up tonight. And that is Florida's reopening. The governor uh, already uh, 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 hinting, you know, talking about uh, letting the bars reopen. I mean, we've seen some other businesses kind of slowly begin to reopen movie theaters and that sort of thing, which I still don't even know which ones are open and which ones are closed. But um, now with bars being reopened, and we obviously saw a lot of bars skirting the this the, the, the lockdown yeah, by trying to serve food. I, I mean... I still think it's going to be a slow recovery. I mean, nationally, we may be seeing a V-shaped recovery, but I think here in the state, it's going to be a slow comeback. What do you guys think? So, real quick, there were a lot of restaurants, or a lot of bars that have been open this entire time. Oh, yeah. I have no idea how they got away with it. What's happening? I've seen restaurants with, like, they stole the hot dog makers from, like, gas stations and put it in the back of the bar. And now now they have chips and they have different stuff. And, like, here's some peanuts. You've now had a meal. Oh, here's some. Yeah. oh yeah. There are some bars that definitely took full advantage like of a, it. Yeah, yeah. But like, also, kind of responsibly, they moved tables right. so that you couldn't just blanket the whole bar. You had to sit down. I think Bonefish has done a great job with this. Some of the other big restaurants and the chains in our area have done a good job. A lot of mom and pop shops have been super struggling. But like, as an individual, I've been we've been trying to just go to them and do takeout. But I think this will will increase. Uh, the there are a lot of bars that are, are just not open. They have I think fifty percent, sixty percent of Ebor City in Tampa, which is our like major club area, bar area, have yet to reopen. So it would be fascinating to see what this looks like now that they can kind of start to get to normal, and if they'll actually abide by the fifty percent. Is there going to be another spike? I mean, you know what's going to happen in two three weeks, right? You know what's coming. The media is going to latch on that. This is right. This is this is. This is not, I mean, I want the bars to open. I, my, my heart goes out to business owners. As a small business owner myself, this has just been insane and crazy. But at the same time, look what's going to happen politically. They're going to open the bars this weekend. It opens Monday, right? Or no? I this, thought it was this it's, Monday. No, it's, it was yesterday. I thought it was yeah. today. It was today. That's that right. Open. It's today. Their bars are open today. So bars are open. You're going to get three weeks down the road, and what's going to happen? You're going to have a, this shit, and the media is going to hit hit TV with it, and it's going to be Trump's fault. They've done it every single time, regardless of what has happened. I know. They ignore things like BLM protests with 50,000 people there. Um, it's incredible how these things can be made to correlate. So I saw this graph over the weekend. Uh, it regarded uh, France's mandatory masking. And I have another point about uh, you oh, know, I saw that. lockdown yeah. versus not lockdown. So you have this mandatory masking. It, happened, the, it was put in place... Uh, at one of their low points, like after the big spike, their low point. 
Then it began to spike again. And then you, ha- this is case in point. The, de- the deaths were still low, but the cases got higher with mandatory masking in France. And we still have people pushing this, this idea that mandatory masking is the be all end all. And it's people don't know what else 30% to do. at most. People don't know what else the to do. The stats from places that mandatory mask versus places that don't, the, the same thing happened in both places. The masks didn't help by and large. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll share like, so when you look at places that have lockdowns, like California, places like New Jersey, New York, those lockdowns also, you see the same kind of figures. You see the lockdowns happen and the cases still increase. So what you're doing is you're, you're hurting your economy at the same time as, you know, these lockdowns are not doing anything. You know, you're, you're hurting your economy for nothing. So if we have places like Florida, we had the same pattern, you know, a similar pattern uh, of, of cases and deaths, but we didn't hurt ourselves economically. We didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. You know, so um, let me let me go over just a couple numbers because I know we're going to be wrapping it up here soon. So, so the the number of of deaths that we've had in Florida recently, and I'm going off of Florida Department of Health um, website here that I I get uh, daily updates here. Not seeing so, it. Uh, no, no, not seeing <laughs> it. So, so in Florida, roughly twelve thousand six hundred and forty-two of of those, uh, a little over five thousand of those actually occurred in your. Uh, nursing homes, long-term care facilities. Okay, yeah. so um, so that's that, which makes sense. But thankfully, thankfully, the governor didn't do what they did in New York, which was send everybody with positive tests to the because it would have been even worse. Um, the, the biggest cover-up so far. Yeah, the, the biggest fa- cover-up. Yeah, the facilities have done a really great job. Some of them have COVID wings. Other you can't even get in because nobody there uh, has it. But also the fact that there's been a seventy-five percent decrease in the actual in the average number of reported uh COVID-19 related deaths just um in the last week from July to the last week in August so I mean we're the deaths are are cratering in a positive way right it's 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 going down big time and the last number is that the percentage of positive results remember when it was like 10% of all tests were positive, and, and, or other times 16%, 20%, right? And I remember Dr. Burks on TV saying, yeah, you want to see about 10%. What that was showing them was that they were testing enough, right? Um, well, well, now the percent of positive results are 3.91 to 6.67% over the past two weeks, um, and this last week it was 3.91%. So, I mean, they're testing 100 people to find a little less than four that are actually positive. I was expecting so. the numbers to increase a little bit because we are now in week two or week three of schools being open in Hillsborough County. Right, so right. I was expecting some kind of bump up. And I think last time I saw about 1,200 students, uh, 1,200 students of faculty had been sent home because of, of positive cases well, for or a while, the attempt of positive right, cases. For a while, everybody was testing just to test, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of got through that. People realized, okay, this this maybe this doesn't make sense, right? Maybe I don't need to go sit in a drive-thru for no reason. And I don't even feel sick, so why am I going through a drive-thru? And then, of course, people started getting leaving the line, and then the test results would come to you and say you're COVID positive and they'd be like, but I didn't even test. I left. Yeah. So all that happened. Just I think default. Yeah. So now I think, I think you're seeing that, that kind of that type of testing leveling out. So you don't have as many people, no, people going to get those tests. People are out, still so. testing. Like even <clears throat> my, um, myself, right. I've tested multiple times. My wife is a school teacher. She's tested positive, pause, um, 
multiple times as but well. We know most and kids so, are not. I mean, we know most kids are are not even going to have symptoms. But so, the, but know? that's the reason why yeah. I think when it comes to the education, school systems, and everything else, yeah. that calling around, closing down classrooms when someone is positive is the best thing to do. Making sure kids and teachers are not being uh, affected or being. Um, infected at, at a higher rate. Again, the fact that we are aware of it and we're taking the steps necessary to make sure our kids are safe, our teachers are safe, that's an important thing. Yeah, now, I did, I have I did a, think that. How, how long has school been open? It's Two been weeks? A, it's, this is the Two second weeks? week, but third week in the calendar. Because remember the first week they yeah, had it. See, so, yeah. I think, we I haven't think, seen the media stories I think yet, you've which got, is surprising. I think you've got I, that, another, that's how yeah. you know it's I think working you, I think because you haven't seen it. I think you've got another week or two before you really see. Yeah, if there's a big effect. Yeah, I agree with that. You might have some schools shut down in a couple weeks. No, the there have been already classrooms and schools already shut down. Well, and the, the interesting thing or the amusing thing, you know, when it comes to talking about the <clears throat> protests, you know, that have taken place and the effect that that's had on the coronavirus. I mean, I got into a lengthy discussion, as of course always happens on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and was this today? Uh, no, this was like a week or two ago. Oh, okay. Despite showing them from because this woman specifically was from L.A., Right. And she says, no, the protests, even here in L.A., with as many people as we have, it didn't have an effect on the coronavirus. You know, it didn't spread the virus. And I literally took the screenshot from the L.A. County Health Department, and it shows that right. following two weeks after George Floyd's incident with the police, which, you know, again, protests followed immediately thereafter, there's literally a spike that then trends for the following month, month and a half, um, in LA County, but no, those are the homeless people. You know, those are people that were out of state. Right. Those are the the farm workers. Fake you know, news. they want to blame everybody else except <laughs> except the protesters. And it's absolutely ridiculous when they're like, "Well, eighty percent of us were wearing our masks." Well, guess what? All it takes is that twenty percent to infect everybody else, and they had a huge surge in both cases and deaths. And they still want to deny that the protests had why anything didn't we to do just, with it. Why didn't we just have bar owners hand out masks and just have? I know it's stupid because you're you trying to retail, drink a bar, but retail stores. I mean, why didn't that? they just do that? Why didn't? Why, why wasn't that enough? If, if masks are going to work, why are we shutting down? I, un I understand the reasoning for the shutting down of movie theaters and of of bars and comedy places because you're going there, and the purpose is you're literally you have your mask off the whole time because you're socializing everything else reason why clubs are not open i get it i understand it i, like I don't agree with I it i like that meme but. right it's i like that <laughs> meme the dumbest thing i've ever done in my life is walk is is walk into a restaurant and go 10 feet with a mask on only to take it off when i sit down and i've done a lot of dumb things yeah in my life, this, you know? it's one of the that's stupid, like the dumbest thing things, really yeah. bad. No, you gotta yeah. love the one that i saw today which was you know this uh you're standing it, it's, up. it's 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 a guy <laughs> yeah. no it's like a, it's a guy <laughs> standing up with the yeah. mask yeah yeah, you, yeah, I think you I might saw, have saw, saw me share it. Yeah. And then the person sitting down without the mask, but the virus is just going right over <laughs> yeah, them because yeah. they're sitting down at the restaurant. So yeah, the virus goes over your head if you're sitting down. Masks have become almost like a comfort for other people. And yeah. that's the problem. It's that, that conditioning that society has allowed us to feel that we're safer because we're wearing a mask. It's like the whole uh, dog and pony show at the, right. at the airport when it comes to all the TSA and everything else. That's not stopping anything. If you go into and read right. the reports of how many things are, are allowed to 
to go it's through. Safety theater. It's yeah, safety it's, theater. It, that's all it is. Most and of what we're doing, honestly, is safety theater. So I, until right. the public feels more confident, uh, I'm so happy to hear that Florida's numbers are down to yeah, until 3% do, yeah, and everything yeah. else. I know Hillsborough County had just gone under 5%. Florida it, flattened the curve. The thing is that people what? need, it needs to take time for people to feel comfortable, a treatment, and I doubt a cure, but some form of vaccine needs to come out. And once it does, people feel even more it's comfortable. It's supposed to be out in November. It's coming. I thought November 2nd, right? Thought, yeah, yeah, no, no. Pfizer actually it, released it comes information today that said they were going to have a vaccine that's going to have data that'll allow for approval. They said, by the, end of October. They said yes. by the end of October, they'll be done with the, the I guess, the It'll be on the regulators after yeah. that. For yeah. the yeah. amount of billions of dollars that we have spent on research, I am very happy to see that it's moving as quickly as it has. Well, also, what this shows is, is that, hey, after all this is over, the FDA and all these government organizations can't justify all these regulations because, hey, when it came down to it, all of a sudden we were able to get it done. Well, and I can yeah, assure they're you. they're still doing testing. So why does it take 10 years? I mean, seriously, it takes billions of dollars mm-hmm. and decades sometimes for the scientific community to get a vaccine through. And that's not all because of their work. It's because of the regulatory environment. No, I'm going to push back. And the only reason, but the only reason why I say I push back else. is because, it, yes, I do get what you're saying, but when you have every single research facility in the world looking for the same vaccine and same data points when it comes to gene- genealogy and, da- and DNA, it, you're going to get a faster result. When you allocate $100 yeah, million dollars for one, you're going to you allocate $100 billion no. and for a few million people doing research, you're going to get a yeah, faster Yeah, but you're going to tell me there aren't laboratories and companies all over the world yeah. researching cancer there are. exactly but you know this already that cancer is a very unique per person it's a very unique uh, okay. DNA that piece that has been we corrupted. don't have time to do yeah, it we're here. not going to get but, into that. but you can look at <laughs> hey but you can look at all of the vaccines that have ever been created I think rotavirus was four years or something like that but you look at how long it took them to get the flu the flu vaccine Okay. Yeah. Look at how long it, 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 it took to research certain types of vaccines and produce them and safely and all that and get through the government regulation, which I understand some of that is to make sure that you're introducing a safe vaccine. I get it. The and they're point doing is, that now. The trials the, are happening now is, to make sure it's safe. The point is, it's not just technology that's allowing us to get a vaccine out in 24 months. That ain't the case, or 18 yep. months. It is not technology. It's government. When government gets out of the way, the private sector can yeah. get stuff done. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you talk about Health, healthcare so, costing too much and healthcare being a right. serious unaffordability un- un- issue, get the government out of the way and when, we'll solve a lot of the problems. You don't have when, to have subsidized health insurance. Whenever a bureaucrat is questioned, whenever the government and the bureaucrats are questioned about why do we need these regulations, when I as a business owner say, why do I need to do that? Because I'm in healthcare as a home health agency owner. They'll, they'll ultimately say, well, that's for patient safety. Okay, so if all these regulations are there for patient safety and now all of a sudden they're lifting all these regulations, then either the vaccine then either the vaccine potentially isn't safe and you're letting it go, or those regulations weren't necessary to begin with. Now which one is it? I think it's a combination of all of it. I really do want there to be a level of regulation in regards to pharmaceuticals and medical supplies and everything to ensure that 
what happens in other countries, and we all know what happens in other countries with their medicals and their pharmaceuticals, that you can't trust. I would never trust a bottle that says Advil or whatever painkiller from another country because okay. I, I don't but, trust but that. Also, but also, I but, do trust right. it when I go to my drugstore sure. around my neighborhood. But also, I know people complain about enough. the cost of drugs. Well, if you if you want the cost of drugs to go down and you don't want companies to demand to have a 20-year patent, don't force them to spend $7 billion in 10 years developing a drug. And well, I, think, and I think there's a way that we can meet in the middle in these conversations. I agree it shouldn't take 10 years, but I also don't agree it should take two months. Well, but I'll say this on, on the vaccine, and I have no problem with vaccines, but there's no way in hell I'm taking a COVID vaccine that's been developed in less than a year. No. It, it, it would probably take at least two or three years for me to even consider taking a COVID vaccine at this point. But that's your choice. And at the end of the day, everyone needs to make well, that Johnny individual Well, Johnny brings up the choice. point that a lot of people have. A lot of people are sitting back and saying, well, wait a minute now. My whole life, no one could get stuff like this done right. in any time like this at all. And now all of a sudden you're telling wait, me wait, you have when a solution was, where, in When was months? the last time in your lifetime that we had a situation when it came to a, a, a virus well, that never, shut down the entire globe? Well, we've never done this so, for things that killed more so people. That's, we've never I, done I this. I agree with. And the but, fact that society wants something done quickly, the government yeah. is going to break look, its I'm own not, rules to I'm, get it and done. And I'm, I'm like Johnny. I'm not saying I'm, anti, I'm not being anti-vaccine. I'm simply pointing out the fact that polio was a big deal. People didn't want kids getting polio and dying from polio because you have to go into iron lung. We don't even understand what polio is because it's been gone for so long the now. Iron but lamb, a lot oh of people, gosh, yeah. a lot of people were terrified of that. We uh, we used to have kids that would go um, end up being deaf. You don't see a lot of deaf kids anymore, and the reason why is because they're not getting. I think it's measles or mumps. I forget which one of the ones that they would get. But now with you have the measles, MMR yeah. and the DTaP and pertussis and all these different things. The whooping cough, pertussis, that kills kids, little kids. All these these vaccines were necessary, and it still took the government decades decades, and billions of dollars for the private industries to come up with this stuff. And now all of a sudden we can pump one out in 18 months? I, don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm against it, but I am saying that I'm not going to knock people for having questions. I think yeah. that I think what we need to understand that this was unprecedented times, unprecedented amount of money, and yeah, the amount like and, the, and the amount of research facilities that did what needed to get done to ensure that we yeah. got something in the books is what was different. And this and people want something. Do I yeah. think I should get it as one of the first rounds? No, because I'm not a healthcare worker. I'm not on the first. I'm not on the line of fire when it comes to getting exposed so the fact that i won't even probably have a, a choice to get a get a test or not or a vaccine anytime soon because i'm not one of those groups of people that will be the first ones to we need be Rand allowed paul. to get we just it. need Rand paul to be a part of this that's uh he <laughs> Rand paul needs to be a big part so of that if he stamps his if he gets the shot first you'll be perfectly okay with getting mm, it yeah. no mm. Well, I, I would just. He seems I, like the type that would. He seems like the type that would take the vaccine like right you know away. What? I'll take my I, chances with the ninety nine point nine nine. Well, Rand, but Rand, Rand, exactly. Rand Paul's against <laughs> Rand Paul's against compulsory actions of the guy. You know, com, you know sure. compulsory. So, right. so I would look to Rand Paul to see what yeah. he's saying about it. He's, I mean, look, he's, I don't think I've heard anything he's an ophthalmologist. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not a virologist or anything. right. I mean, he's more a, of a doctor. Than I mean, we are. it's yeah, he, but he's more of a doctor <laughs> than I am. You know, so, but uh, but. 
Um, All right. Well, yeah. we're, we're, we're about 10 over. So, again, thank you to everybody for watching the Yard Sign. Uh, we hope you're enjoying our new studios here at Big More Pies. Uh, thank you again to Cords for allowing us to come back into the facility after, you know, again, they, they didn't just remodel the studio. They literally built an entirely yeah. new podcast studio. It's state-of-the-art. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. And so if you want to do uh, your own podcast, uh, feel free to reach out to us, and we'll get you in touch with Bake More Pies. Um, those were Even our topics Democrats. for today over here. Democrats. Yeah. And Democrats. Yeah. Over on Democrats. the, uh, sure. Why not? We'll take their money. Um, <laughs> uh, the, you have our topics there for today's show on the left, but guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, this is kind of a newer way that I like to wrap up the show. Uh, tell us the one story we didn't get to today that you guys are watching. An evil. Ah, okay. So what I forced myself to watch was the interview with Andrew Gillum. And I thought that I was dying laughing the entire time because I, um, I, I couldn't stop laughing because of the amount of lies or, or lying to himself or lying to others that was done to try to figure out his, um, his comeback to politics and back to society. All I wish that family all the best. I wish him all the best. I hope he gets the help that he needs when it comes to drinking and probably even in depression. Drugs. And I wasn't going to say that. Why not? But I hope that he was he, literally caught on the bathroom floor I with meth. Hope that he <laughs> gets the help. He didn't that inhale. He, I mean, he didn't inject. <laughs> I mean, he man didn't, needs help. He I did, didn't snort. He didn't. Uh, I didn't. Look, let that? me tell you. Does bi- he keep the dress? Me, I don't. Or the look, shorts look, of the guy. Let me I don't tell know you. Bisexuality is the least of his problems. The fact oh, yeah. that he came That's out and tried video. to make that the story. But, but yeah. make is, no mistake. It, make no mistake. That interview was the beginning of his attempt to relaunch a political career. Oh sure. Weiner can't come back. Then, then I don't think Gillum can. But I agree with you. The bisexuality thing was not even an issue on my hand, and he pushed that so hard. He kept on bringing it back. Of course. And I was like, dude, you don't even know who you were talking about right. because you're trying to make your sexuality the issue. It's the not guy, the issue. Joe, you Joe, got caught in a hotel al- room almost with prostitutes. Gov- almost governor of the state. Imagine that party would have been happening in the governor's mansion. 50,000 votes. Joe, 30, not, not 30, only 000. that, but but imagine him having to give back all John Morgan's millions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we know exactly where the millions went. It went up his nose. That's yeah, what happened. That's true. All right, Joe Wicker. I want to see, see, see what's going to happen with the presidential debates. I mean, Joe Rogan. Four hours, you know. The, the, I hope the, that happens. The, pre, the president has put out the challenge, the modern day duel. Do a four hour debate. Joe Rogan is the moderator, and I hope no he does it UFC style too. Yeah, in an it's octagon, like, oh! in an octagon, and, 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 and see what happens with the left hook. Yeah, obviously Biden is not going to do that. But when the debate does happen, just like the ones with Hillary, they're going to be watched. I mean, it's going to be. You know, 50 million viewers. I was Super Bowl. I would level. love oh, yeah. to see Joe Biden, uh, not Joe Biden. I would love to see Joe Rogan interview Trump. I don't think he's going to do individual interviews because I don't, he's trying to be as nonpartisan as possible. Trump's not a good interviewer, no, look. man. He oh my God. No, like that's you. not true. Did you see the Barstool like Sports interview? It was really good. Which one? Barstool Sports. Oh, I saw part of that. Yeah, that you great? got it. It was, yeah, it was really I, I good. I saw part of it. He did good on that. Trump, how did he bomb yeah. on the other? How did he bomb with that other one? Because so you have other people trying to get him, whereas well, you have one of the other ones. They want information. Yeah. They don't care about right. the got you question. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They just want yeah. information. Joe Rogan would be devastating for uh, Joe Biden. Oh. Yes. Devastating. Yeah. And he will not agree. Joe Biden is not going to do it. No. And of course, the media is not going to cover. And actually, I'm concerned. But, could, but is concerned there anybody that, more impartial, honestly, I know, I know. than, than no, Joe Rogan? Right. No. I'm, I'm concerned that there's not going to be any debate at all. 
Ooh. That's my real concern. If he does, if Joe Biden does that, he loses. If he does not debate the president, he loses. It goes, it goes. And then the only way Joe Biden can stand on the stage and debate Trump is completely scripted. It has to be. Remember Hillary Clinton? Oh, fall apart. Remember yeah. Hillary Clinton got some questions given to her? Mm-hmm. Joe Biden has to have the whole freaking thing. He has to have Trump's responses given. All right. Rekylan. I right. see you over there playing on your phone. Tell your girlfriend to stop messaging you. No, no, no. Actually, Ooh, I just wanted fiance. to. So I was listening to the <laughs> the Hillsborough uh, school board meeting the other day, and uh, you, oh, I yeah, know I remember uh, Lynn Gray was trying to implement affirmative action into these teachers uh, hiring, mm-hmm. uh, the administrator hiring, the staff hiring for Hillsborough, and something to do with affirmative action or racial justice for Hillsborough County Schools. Doesn't um, that already exist? No, no, not in Hillsborough. Hillsborough um, doesn't. Have, oh. Yeah, so Hillsborough, that's that's the thing that they're trying to uh, implement. I thought that was incredibly harmful. I think that hiring people based on their uh, their merits as opposed to their race is of the greatest benefit to students. I don't think that having someone who has the same skin color you in front of your classroom is going to enhance your ability to operate in you know adult life. Um, they also had that's a, a good one. They yeah, had, that's a good one. That's interesting. Yeah, they had a need to state they wanted to add verbiage to the anti-harassment policy to encompass LGBT um, peoples when the policy encompasses everybody, all kinds of harassment. They wanted to add it as a feel-good measure. It's like hate crime law. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I always equated to. It's hate crime law. I mean, a crime is a crime. Murder is murder. Yeah. So why does one hate crime and the other one isn't? It's already encompassed in the verbiage of the, the policies within the Hillsborough County schools, but the fact that they're trying to do this before an election, and what I found was really funny is there's a, more than a handful of left-leaning people on that school board, and even they didn't want to touch it before the election because that's what's happening soon. And they don't want the controversy before they get voted on. Yeah. So I thought it was really funny to see people like Well, she that. lost the primary, didn't she? Or no, she's in a runoff. She's in a runoff. She's in a, she's runoff. In a runoff. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. the school board yeah. races are fascinating to see <clears throat> how that's going to shake up at the end of the yeah. day, but I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I, I love seeing... I love seeing, you know, Steve Kona push back on all this stuff. That guy's yeah. a, yeah. I, he belongs in the school board. I hope he gets back in. And it, by all means, if you can support him, get on his campaign. I mean, look, yeah. in all fairness, he was working hard. I mean, he was one of the hardest working candidates out there. And for it to have kind of shaken out the way it did on primary night uh, didn't make any sense to me. But I think as a lot of teachers and parents have said, I think it was that last minute decision to yeah. um, to go against parents' wishes. Um, that really turned the electorate on on him, and and and, and again, it's tough. You know, you serve the parents of of, of this county. You don't yep. serve the teachers um, and and the administrators. And I, I think that's where they went wrong. And I, I, you could see the palpable change in in the voting after his vote and others' votes. That you saw, none of them won their 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 primaries. They all got run. They are all now in runoffs, mm-hmm. but none of them won. Not, no sitting um, school board member like had the majority votes, that's and so they right. all got into into runoff. So, so I think that's all good. in runoffs. Right? Yeah. So all Which those. The vote, hey, I'm gonna tell you when things go bad and people show up, somebody getting fired. Cool. I just when, want when, them. When, when, I know when the voters show up, somebody's getting fired. I just want them to get air conditioning back into some classrooms. Yeah. It's One ridiculous. More thing about schools whoa, whoa, whoa! Also- You're telling me we don't have any air conditioning? Didn't we just get taxed for that? Girl, you'd have no idea. Well, now they're blaming COVID. They're blaming they're they're blaming COVID because they were counting on all these millions of dollars. Which, by the way, I mean, was not only spent on air conditioning units for some schools, but they also got fancy new playgrounds. They also got electric vehicles at some of their driver's ed classes. You know, like again, 
take care of issue number one, air conditioning units. That's it. That was your one. Yeah. That was your job. That was you had one job, and it was air conditioning units, and they screwed it one up. One job. I told people <laughs> that supported that tax. I told them. I said, Watch. of course. I said, oh, yeah. Watch. there's a slush fund. The small Watch. stuff. So there's always, always a big issue to take care of. They can, uh, uh, form, you know, they can keep on fighting later. for it. If yeah. you don't support it, you want kids to one just. One last thing about Hillsborough County Schools. They are trying to implement. Let's go. Let's wrap it up, boys. Diversionary action as far as student misbehavior. So that's what led to Stoneman Douglas, the the Parkland shooting uh that's happening now in the school board make sure you voice to your school members you want kids to be punished for their doing bad stuff yep. keep them from doing bad stuff and keeps them from being you know unruly antisocial in the future so last so wait, laura williford was commenting on here saying tell tell us more about this i think she's talking about the schools but i think we we're over well thanks for that's watching laura hopefully you'll uh, catch us next time we'll send you a uh, link to the meeting it's yeah. every <laughs> it was a good meeting that's right it's every monday seven o'clock the yard sign thank you everybody for watching don't forget the podcast version i'm going to be updated uh later tonight tomorrow um on apple uh, spotify and google podcast platforms uh youtube episode will also be up later tonight so keep an eye open for that thank you so much everybody for watching thank you so much to christopher kyle and joe wicker and anibal cabrera for doing an amazing job on tonight's show i'm johnny torres from the bake more pie studios in tampa florida have a great night thank you